American Timelines is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. So now I'm obsessed with time. Come on, tell me about the time. Had it all in my head tonight. Had the time of my life. When the words all come down, like blues on Tuesdays come down. Throw it all away. Throw it all away. What up, time heads? Thanks for checking out another episode of American Timelines. I'm Joe, and Amy is busy researching the last 1959 murder that we're going to cover for next episode. But this is the first in a series of episodes I'm calling Friend Check. I'm going through my Facebook friends list, and I'm going to check in with each person that's willing to sit down and have a recorded conversation with me. We're going to find out from each friend, hey, who are you? What's your story? Why the heck are we friends on Facebook? And should we remain friends? I'm hoping to get into everybody's backstory because I think everybody's got a cool story to tell. And sometimes you don't find out stuff from people unless you sit down and talk with them. So that's what I'm trying to do. Do they have any true crime stories? Maybe. Have they seen an alien? Maybe. What about that weird guy you went to school with that got bit by a bat? We're going to tell all these stories because these are American stories. These are American timelines. And I'm going to bring my best pal along with me, Gruff, because we've been best buds pretty much since second grade when Brett Burns knocked over his 64-pack of Crayolas. And please enjoy this first episode of the sub-series of American Timelines called Friend Check. And this week, my guest is A. Kirby McMahon, a.k.a. April Kirby. April Kirby is a local Charlotte improv comedian who I met this past year when she performed in one of my Nerdy Night Out shows. April's a very talented improviser who went to Duke University, originally from Ridgefield, Connecticut, from Ridgefield High School, home of the Tigers, now lives in Charlotte. Also, April is transgender. April was very honest and open in our conversation. I'm really grateful to have the chance to speak with somebody who's transitioning. I'm hoping this helps dumb, straight, cis guys like me understand people who are different than us. Because isn't that all what we want to do? Please enjoy this episode of American Timelines Friend Check with April Kirby. Are you April Kirby McMahon or just a Kirby McMahon or just April? So, so a Kirby McMahon is just um, the Facebook name. And part of that was um, I go by April Kirby. Um, that's more like gotcha. my stage name. Um, well, that's true. And, As a performer, you got to have a st- Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And all my social medias other than Facebook um, are april kirby and then this is like just facebook is one that was more you know coming back from um you know starting in high school when i got it and all that it's just like more of a legacy sort of thing where i keep in touch with a number of like old friends and family members so it was um it just felt right to have like a little bit of a difference and then also like when i was sort of coming out and stuff um I would sort of, yeah, so people wouldn't be confused as to who I was. And then, of course, by making my um, first name just the letter A, that shot me right to the top of um, all, all alphabetical <laughs> lists. So, yes, yeah, no, you are at the top you, of the list. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's you, why, you, that's you why I bring it up. You skipped and jumped over the algorithm. Well that's done. That's why I bring it up, because mm-hmm. because you did that, you have gone to the top of this series we're doing called Friend Check. Uh, which I think might be part of American Timelines, the podcast I do, uh, True Crime with My Wife. Um, so I think because we've already recorded them, and I already have it, a podcast thing where they have listeners, yeah. and we already kind of do it. Steve's already been uh, 
uh, co-host. So I think the only thing I have to do to tie it into what we normally do is ask you some things about your hometown, find out you're the mascot of the school you went to, and tell me any stories you have from your hometown that was maybe a murder or didn't have to be a so murder. Or a crime. It might have been a murder. Okay. Well, maybe. <laughs> or something crazy that happened. Like, what's your hometown known for? Whether it's a famous person or a weird thing or a. Because I think everybody's got something about their hometown. For instance, Steve and I, where we went to school, three girls in our. While we were in high school, we're, for we're yeah. dating teachers. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, oh. the, uh, they had a very hands on relationship. And nobody you know, cared. Everybody one-on-one. was like, yeah, they're it was kind of like an open secret, you know, weird town. Like that's one never confirmed. But to be fair, if you can be fair, this this went back to when my elder sister, not one of them, but she also knew people that were dating teachers like it was just like people were just like sort of cool with that. So it was just kind of like, a well, there could be worse things. I don't know. They're like, we're yeah. They're like, I never we've asked. still got lead in our gasoline. We've still got oh, Reagan, mean, Reagan still in office. We, we still, we're, yeah, we're we still chewed to, on. To, we uh, still chewed on the yes. little lead things that would pop out of the electrical boxes. Yeah, and that's you know, like that I you think could they, use for slugs and quarters or just chew on. Yeah, and they like yeah. they knew lead was bad at the time, but people just weren't ready to give it up. Just oh, like it cigarettes, was just too easy. Just like cigarettes yeah. now, it's like, exactly. come on, I've been doing this my whole life. Just let me have this one little this thing. This one where I thing it makes my teeth yeah. stronger. You know, I look like Jaws from James Bond. Cigarettes. Have you ever smoked, April? I did. I smoked for like a decade. Oh, a decade. Okay. What'd you smoke? Yeah. 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 What did you smoke? That's a good question. Uh, I started by smoking American spirits, like a true little hipster, but it was like too intense on my, on my lungs. So I switched to camel um, Turkish golds because I saw it to be a little little hipster, um, but I couldn't do the spirits anymore. Uh, <laughs> you you've since quit smoking, right? I assume. Yeah, I, as most people smoked like a year and a half ago. Yeah. Oh, really? Only a year and a half. Good. Oh, well, good. Good for you then. So it's yeah. kind of new. Stay strong. So uh, I find. So we both used to smoke, Steve and I. Oh, I and I find that when you talk wonderful. about, like, when you said Turkish gold, uh, that made me want to have a cigarette really yeah, bad was, for some reason. You know? Yeah. Well, you were a fan of the Turkish gold. You're, you know. Those were you were good. a fan of the Camel Reds. I liked the Camel Red Lights, and I yeah. liked the yeah. American Spirits. Oh, yeah. No, I was a American Spirit. Light blue. Light blue. Okay. So I recently just discovered, because I bought a pack for the the, the lake this summer, when I went, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna, We're sitting around the fire anyway. I'm breathing shit. I'm going to smoke cigarettes. So I bought. I went to buy, buy a pack of cigarettes. Haven't bought them in, I don't know, 10 years probably. And I was like, hey, can you give me a pack of American spirit lights, and they're like, "Well, which which is that?" And I was like, "I don't know. You tell me. Like, you're selling them. You know? Like, I don't know. They just have different colors. They don't have anything on them." Yeah. And I was like, "Why not?" And then my friend Christina told me they can't say light or ultra light exactly. anymore. Nope. Yep. Like there was a okay. something pa- some law passed like because it suggests that they're better for you or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't realize that's yeah. why that was, but I definitely, I always thought it was just like, cause they want you to get into like the lore of American spirits, like go on their website and find out all the names of everything. Yeah, no, that's what I did. Yeah. I, I, the different colors, like there's a, like an organic 
Perquet was the black label. Well, yeah. Huh. Hey, I don't know. Anyway, a little side tangent, which we we do here. We like to embrace the tangent. Um, mm-hmm. How do we get on cigarettes? How do we? What she was I asking? Just recently you? quit smoking. Oh, your name A. Yeah. Uh, because yeah, hometown, whatever. So I can't. I remember a couple things from what. So we'll just let the listeners know we did this already. <laughs> we it's had true. a great a great conversation, and it was an an hour and a half. Probably we had a. I thought we had a good time. It was great. Good connection. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, all you internet sleuths, if you can find the lost episode, you win four million dollars courtesy of <laughs> Joe and Steve. Um, that's a <laughs> paid in cash um, and a free non sequential dollars. So, yeah. Oh yeah. no! What are you promising? I'm nothing. Uh, not <laughs> for me. But I do. The biggest thing I took away from our conversation, I think, was the biggest surprise for me, was that you were really into Pokemon. Like you. Uh, were like a Pokemon, not not Go, but the the card game. Uh, oh no, no Magic, oh. Magic. Oh yeah, you? that's right. Yeah, Sorry, I, was, I got it mixed up. Yeah, yeah, I was never. You were looking quite, at me crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I was like, I I wasn't the Pokemon, but I wasn't like very like good at it. I wasn't one of those hardcore um, Ash Ketchums, but um, but yeah, Magic. I definitely played a lot of Magic. Um, Magic the Gathering, right? Yeah, um, and I was, yeah, and when I was playing, I was equally embarrassed about both, and now both of them are, I don't know if they're actually cool, but they're cool enough in the internet bubble I've cultivated for myself that I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I should have stuck with it. So, well, they, yeah. they've they've moved into a nice mainstream or just just to the side of the mainstream. Close I was going to say, why were, you, why were you embarrassed? Was it a thing like in high school or middle school that was embarrassing or was it yeah i think it was i think it was partially just like there was like a little bit of a stigma attached to it and i think part of it was also like just like personal stuff like i just tried to not be associated with anything mm. that that's all like gender stuff but um gotcha. but like the general thing with magic was it was like ultra like omega like nerdy thing to do for whatever i don't know what it was like at other schools but for whatever reason in our school it was like the nerdiest thing you could do right yeah. like and so it was sort of like um if you did play you wouldn't make a big you wouldn't like, tell point of it. like i would never bring like my cards to school or um or anything like that. Yeah. that. It would just be like a totally, I would try and keep it completely separate. I would go into the card store that was in town and that's where all that would happen. Gotcha. Gotcha. It was funny because um, actually the um, some of the cool kids, there's like a parking lot kind of nearby and you know cool kids in their parking lots. They were hanging out <laughs> in that parking lot. And sometimes, yeah. they'd, sometimes they'd come up uh, to the store just to be like in my head canon, it was like, oh, they they want to learn to play, but they're too intimidated by us. To, but they were just like, I don't know, just checking out the scene or whatever. And that was yeah. always like, well, you got to wander around the parking lot. You can't just hang out in the spot of it, I guess. Yeah, you got to mm-hmm. make mischief. You got to yeah. have like some pranks and you can only you can some only. Loud, yeah. Yeah, you can only nut tap your uh, your bros so many times before <laughs> you do. You got to go find something else. Yeah, to, so, to, so. to talk loudly by, you know, yeah, to just scream at, yeah, yeah, just like sort of, yeah, just say something loud and like 
a great one was just like sort of just like narrating what some random person inside's doing so you could hear it and be like yeah oh they're eating chicken fingers now or something like that yeah. <laughs> there was a pizza that place a nearby one. that had really good chicken fingers so we yes. were eating chicken fingers a lot there that's making me hungry for chicken fingers so that you know, you know, I think you might just be very suggestible because first you wanted cigarettes and now you want chicken fingers. Yeah, I think I'm just like, oh. I'm just very needy right now. Like I got a lot of needs right now. I'm not needy, but I'm like, just filling some holes. That's yeah. all. I'm gonna send y'all a picture. I just made chicken fingers for dinner tonight. Ooh. Oh. Whoa, April, those look good. Are they spicy at all? Um, just a little peppery. Um, like some but, pepper, man. Yeah, nice. I can make them spicy. Yeah, those nice. are. And then All I right. do the French fry crab. For the listener, uh, just picture some delicious fried favorites uh, next to some French fries. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that, I guess I'm also hungry. My, fried my yeah. wife just making. She's making um, chicken enchiladas right now. So. Um, oh, that's so that, good. that's I, our end I time. Want... Is your dinner time? Nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want some chicken enchiladas. I'm very suggestible too. Are you suggestible too? Yeah, my wife's yeah. a very good cook. She's very, she's very retro. Um, uh, like as far as style, like she likes to wear an apron and the, you know, the victory rolls in her hair and uh, some oh, she the victory funny. Roll. Yeah, yeah. She's like the fancy like dresses, like crazy wacky dresses and she's a school teacher so the Aww, kids just love her so wonderful you know yeah. little kids like special i love ed, that so, yeah you would love her um yeah. so wait okay so let, let me back up so let me so when you're talking about school i'm trying to figure out age wise so you it was probably the early 2000s that you were in high school or uh yeah i graduated 2000s? yeah i graduated high school in 2007 okay gotcha so around that time and then did you I see you're from uh, uh, Connecticut, right? Yeah, I'm originally. originally? Uh, yeah, oh. I grew up in Ridgefield, Connecticut. Ridgefield, nice. Connecticut. So, what's that mm-hmm. close to? We, we may have talked about Connecticut. It's just. The, yeah. yeah, the closest place that people have most often heard of is Danbury or maybe Stanford. Oh, Stanford. Okay, I've heard of Stanford, Connecticut. Yeah, it's like 25, 30 minutes from Stanford, but it's like our house was like a five minute walk from the New York state border. Okay, okay. Nice. So it's sort of like it's in um, it's in the county in Connecticut that's sort of in like the um, southwest corner closest to New York. So it's like if most of Connecticut is like kind of like is like sort of slotted in with new england and that county had a tendency to get kind of slotted in with like more new yorky type stuff okay new yorky stuff okay cool yeah so it, it just makes me think of it's probably not exactly close but makes me think of new heart like vermont and stuff like that but i'm probably off a little bit uh, i've never been to new heart but it's got like <laughs> it definitely had some like you know new england town vibes but then it was also like a bunch of commuters who went to like new york city or Stanford. oh yeah okay um, so new Okay, I see New Haven. It's a nice blend of a metro. I was uh, Stanford. Okay, I was Yonker. driving a friend of ours up to Stanford, and we actually stayed the night at this weird little motel that was within sight of the WWE headquarters. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, the only reason I knew it was the WWE headquarters is because they always showed it at the end title card in the eighties when I watched it. Oh wow! So, yeah, I was just like, well, it's like that's really familiar because it was before they put the big WWE up on it. It was just a glass 
reflective glass building that was burned into my memory from my childhood watching <laughs> that show. Yeah. So you're pretty straight south from Montreal. I yeah. see. Okay. We got to that tangent because we were asking about things your hometown is known for. Mm-hmm. Ours was sure. inappropriate. Yes. <laughs> right. So Ridgefield. So you, uh, uh, Ridgefield, Connecticut. I get so confused by that geography. I'm this is the worst. I am a geography, all that stuff between Boston and Connecticut and New York. I'm all like, yeah, Delaware's in there somewhere, Rhode Island. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what any of that is. Uh, I'm terrible. So at it. if you go fast enough, it Hampshire. goes by pretty quick. It's, it's true. Yeah, if you're flying through it, it all blends together. Or or just driving through. When you're yeah. driving through, you can like cross borders in that area rather quickly. So it's like yeah. clam clam country. Yeah, so at some point yeah. you transition from clam strips to uh, whole belly clams, and that's when you know you're like in the New England. New England. Yeah. So, do you like clams? I do. They're one of my favorite. Um, see, I like them fried. I like them steamed. Um, if they're, I don't really see them for like great deals at the grocery store down here. But um, back when I was in Durham, occasionally they'd have them for a decent price. And I'll just, I would just get them and steam them up. Um, yeah, they're super fun. There's a fun like pasta recipe I have for uh, like little bit clams. Yeah. Nice. Um, but I like all, I like all kinds of seafood. That's, um, that's, I guess that's like the most New England-y part of, of me is, um, is all the seafood I got, I got into while I was up there. It's a good, it's a, you know, it's a good amount. And yeah, it's a good true. food. Yeah, they know. got. There's a distinct got, difference between a clam and a shrimp, you know. It's true. Yeah, yeah that's the first thing they taught us in uh, in kindergarten. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, this is a clam. This, this is, is a clamming. A clam is completely shrimp. different. <laughs> like shit and Chinola mm-hmm. and the jerk. Okay, yeah. and I see that you studied hopscotch at Duke University, oh. uh, which I love that. <laughs> I love that whole thing. Duke, so Duke, you were a Duke uh, graduate, like undergrad, right? At Duke, yeah, I went to Duke for undergrad and grad school. So oh, that's I did, right. Um, okay. yes. So I was a history major, undergrad, um, and then grad school. I went for public policy. Okay, cool. Nice. Yeah. So is that when you started doing improv, or did you do improv in high school? So I had no conception that improv was a thing that existed. Well, actually, it was weird. I didn't have like a strong conception of improv, but I did watch Whose Line Is It Anyway a lot. So okay. I don't know how I squared those two things. I thought that was just like mm. a thing they did on that specific show. Right. That they that, And that they were all the ones who came up with it, and they were the only ones who could do it. Um, Interesting. <laughs> but, uh, but then I got to college. Um, they had an improv team there. I was like very excited to... Um, give that a try. Um, I tried two years. I did not make it either year, um, but I did make the sketch team um, mm, my nice. second year. Like my first year, I didn't make the improv team and I just bided my time the whole year. I'm like, I'm going to crush it next year. And then I did even worse in the next year's auditions. Uh, so I, I just went to sketch. Um, and then I got into improv after I graduated from college. I was back in Connecticut for a little while. And so I was working in Stanford and I would take the train uh, into New York City to take like uh, upright citizens brigade classes. Oh, that's cool. UCB. Yeah. Um, so college is when you started doing like 
finding the improv and doing it. Yeah, so you didn't grow up doing it, but um, because I, it blows me away because I know you as an improviser. We met not too long ago. I don't know. Now it's been probably has it been a year? I don't even know when that was. It's probably it was, been at least a year. Yeah. Yeah, Nerdy Night Show, and you were very good. Like you stood out as a very what seemed to me is like a seasoned uh vet at improv uh jen oh, Bian- thank you. yeah jen bianchi brought you on uh to do a two prov uh for oh man i think it was the shark i want to say it was the shark yeah show. that was the shark night because i remember the thing i remember from it is the thing you said about the class brews that they have um and then I remember, like, I just got to do that at some point in the scene, and then I'll count it as uh, as a win. And we'll <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so, um, yeah, so I was just very impressed. And then I've actually gotten a, a lot of comments afterwards. It's like, you got to bring her back. Very funny. And then you did, I think you did the Wax Out Tap Out show, right? Yeah, we um, did that. Um, yeah, with Foxes. Yeah, yeah, and you were very talented there, too. Like, a couple people came with me there and said, great group and and that you stood out as just quick-witted and mm. funny and uh so i think that's like, like that is something everyone strives to have because i mean it's one thing to get out there and do it but then to be as quick quick on your feet and that's why one of the reasons i stopped doing improv years ago is just like by the time i think of something it's too late that nah, it seems over i already said dang it so it's like you have to be smart and quick um I feel like there was something we touched on last time we talked that we kind of maybe attributed, but I can't remember what it was. Something that made you quick and smart. Or maybe it's your studies at Duke. Oh. The fact that you're at Duke. I can't remember. Do you remember? Oh, you know what? You know, well, the thing that came to mind now, I don't know if it's what I talked about last time, but I didn't really do like improv or sketch growing up, but I was always like, and it was weird. I, I would try to not like, stand out as myself but I would want to be like the funny person so it started out with like I would quote like lots of tv shows and stuff like that and then Mm. eventually like a couple people got mad at me and like yelled at me (laughs) for quoting too many different things (laughs) um I was like I was like oh I've got to come up with my own original stuff to get people like and it was like a process for me of like I was always knew I wanted to do that and so like I would like continually be like adjusting based on like the reactions people gave me and stuff like that and I would always try and like like learn what the rule was so to speak even though there isn't really a rule necessarily Mm -hmm. um but like it took but like over years and years just like I don't know I guess like thinking about it really hard um mm-hmm. or just like sort of having a mindset of like oh i have to like figure out why this stuff works and other stuff doesn't i guess that was like the closest thing i had to like doing improv or sketch growing up um mm-hmm. was just like this sort of singular focus on like this is how i'm going to be like socially acceptable because otherwise people would just be like oh you're just like kind of weird aren't you uh, the co- the conscious but, effort put into being entertaining, yeah. The conscious effort put into reading a room, yeah. Now, there's no rule, but when you walk into a room, you know they're gonna like, you know, they're probably gonna engage more towards these jokes or that. 
Yeah, you know? exactly. And if there's like one universal rule, it's that if you make people laugh before they realize that you're weird, then when they do realize you're weird, then it's like it's just fine. because you laugh. Yes. Yeah, I, I like to think like, of it as oh, the Gonzo. Yeah, it's no, like a Gonzo sense. rule. That's like part of yeah. the whole deal. It's just yeah, your own mysterious yeah. process. Your yeah. uh, it's all part of the magic. Yeah, Gonzo uh, was my Gonzo is my favorite Muppet. Like of the Muppet TV <laughs> show, Gonzo is my favorite. I, you know, I have to differentiate between the Muppet Show and that part of the Henson verse and other parts of the Henson verse, like Sesame Street. You know, sometimes I'm very burnt, other times I'm much more Ernie. Things That's like true. that. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's like sometimes I need to feel like I'm burnt in a situation just to feel mm-hmm. like you know, like. I feel like authoritative and like I can control the proceedings. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, Hey, I need a little freedom just to be me, just to express myself. Exactly. Um, Sing to and, the rubber ducky. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You can't always be, you can't, unless you're Bert or even Bert and Ernie can't always be Bert and Ernie. Sometimes no. Bert. Yeah, sometimes Bert takes a little bit of Ernie and Ernie takes a little bit of Bert. Yeah. yeah, I think that was like the first lesson. On it was in there. It yeah, was. It, it was somewhere in there. Like brought mm-hmm. to you by E or F. I can't remember. It's been a mm-hmm. long time. So that I think that I think what a lot of people that end up in comedy, like you said, is is people who, and it seems like a lot of people who are either feel like an outcast or feel like they're different or are afraid to be picked on. You know, it's like bullying and and comedy goes so it's such a great way people like you always hear people say like i make fun of myself before you can make fun of me uh and then you kind of take that power away and then you're the funny guy and it's like i'm either gonna get shit beat out of me or i'm gonna be the funny guy and they're gonna if i make you laugh you can't be hitting me uh which is kind of a a strategy i took when i worked with people with disabilities was i had to be the behavior specialist and part of it was like how to de-escalate situations, how to get people yeah, not to hit you. Yeah. yeah. And people are rarely hit you when they're laughing. Like, so <laughs> if you can keep people funny, so it's like this ingrained thing with comedians, like most of us have been bullied or picked on or afraid we're going to be picked on or felt like the outcast, but we, but we become these comedians. And then I just think it's so funny how so many have, inner things going on and inner turmoil and things. But on the outside, we're this, we're making you laugh. We're entertaining you and you're getting this benefit. But meanwhile, we have all the shit going on inside, yeah. just a you know, defense mechanism. But um, well, it's so funny. Cause like part of it, part of that, like lack of identity for me was like um, related to like gender stuff. But like, I also like in high school, I was just like big enough that most people just like, couldn't like, threaten me with violence realistically like because i was just like i was like you know six three i weighed like 250 in high school oh really that's what i was gonna say yeah steve doesn't know you're tall you're very tall no i don't yeah Um, and so i don't know you outside this wee box i didn't realize you were six three but yeah yeah, very tall yeah there's it was just and like it's so interesting to think back now because like looking back like sorry uh looking back people did like people did kind of like pick on me in the ways that in like some ways and but like at the time it like didn't register to me as such it was just Mm -hmm. like them telling me what i needed to know and stuff like that so Mm -hmm. it was just like it was just interesting like it's thinking back like the ways that some stuff unfolded and looking back in retrospect 
it was like at the time I was just trying to sort of like get to this like point of like identity that I figured I would eventually get to if I just kept plugging along and tried to be like that person which included being like funny and getting attention that way mm-hmm. but um but yeah in retrospect it was like no people just like thought I was kind of weird and would call it out sometimes uh and were kind of jerks about it sometimes like and like I was fortunate that it didn't have to be like a situation where I'd be like scared for my safety or anything like that but um but that part of that that was like but yeah part of that was like in reaction to those types of things like wanting to have something that felt like okay for me to do that like yeah my vibe as well so i think i think that's Thank what you i think there's a lot of people like steve and i you know straight white guys yeah no. that are don't you know aren't sure about trans you know transitioning and what it's like for you and how hard it must have been we can't there's no way we can imagine that uh other than just knowing it had to be so difficult so yeah, no just thank you for sharing this so yeah oh, we really appreciate, no, we that. appreciate so you, that yeah yeah you, do you so you felt like i think you said this before that you always knew something was different that you had a different identity that you just didn't like come to terms with and then yeah was, was there a moment when you just went for it or finally realized or i'm not sure it wasn't like you didn't wake up but you finally were just like i mean how did you get the courage to do it i guess is the question like yeah so so i guess the way um usually what i bring up when i when i talk about this sort of thing that i think is surprising to some people is that you know i had like gender stuff like quote unquote, like there were, you know, there were signs of things that I like that were more reflective of like the gender expression I would want to have. And I would do those things throughout my life. um, Absolutely. Um, But sort of the big underlying thing was like, um, I talked about like sort of not having a sense of self. And there is also this sort of like underlying sort of existential distress that I would interpret in a lot of different ways um you know part of me like a lot of it would be like oh this is just like the human condition and everyone feels this way and sometimes mm-hmm. it'd be like oh like maybe there's like some kind of like curse that I'm dealing with like I've even really like believe in curses but like to whatever extent that like curses can be a thing I'm just like dealing mm-hmm. with like exceptionally bad luck and how I feel about stuff um things like that and uh and it didn't really like in my mind at that time like whatever gender stuff I have and like that thing were like treated as two separate things um but and over time um you know the existential challenge portion and of course this is just my experience too but um the existential like challenge part of it the dissociation the lack of identity um just got worse and worse and just the pull to do um stuff that was more true gender expression got stronger and stronger and I became more aware of like um sort of uh trans I don't want to say role models because by that by that age I was like it wasn't like a role model thing but like Mm -hmm. you know just trans people who were just like living their lives and weren't like you know a tv caricature or something like that Mm -hmm. um 
And eventually the excuses became more like, well, if I haven't already decided to transition, then I must not really be trans, et cetera, et cetera. But eventually I just got to a point where um, like the existential challenges just really had my shields down. I was in a vulnerable place and I just saw um, something that helped me give myself permission to just like say, well, what do I want? And then once that happened, the floodgates kind of opened. And the real shocking revelation um, is that once I started, and this was just like a couple of years ago. Wow. Um, okay. Less than two years. Yeah. When I started transition, the real shocking part was that once I started taking those steps, it started to alleviate this underlying oh. pain that I thought was just like this Ambient. existential misery yeah. that everyone feels like, and just Wow. realizing that it was something i could address like that's wonderful yeah, yeah it was just something huh. i accepted that like that i would never that would just be like a part of my life and like mm -hmm. even the decision to transition was like well i might as well try it yeah. right wow. what can, yeah. what can it what can it hurt um yeah. to just see how that goes and to like to say that it had a big impact on me is like a huge understatement. It was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it was, it was addressing that underlying pain. Um, and then it's also for me personally, it was also like once I started hormone therapy, it was like an ability to connect with my emotions that I did not like. I always used to be like, cause I was like a big, like, like, got into like super into feminism and stuff in college and all that mm -hmm. stuff and i and part of that would always be like um you know we could go down a whole rabbit hole with that but for the purposes of this story one of the things i would always be like was like oh you know i don't understand why why guys can't control their emotions like i have emotions and i control them just fine and it, and having sort of experienced like more like true like you know full-fledged emotions in the last mm -hmm. couple of um yeah in the last like year and a half or so i was like oh i get it now it's not that easy <laughs> there's like a little more to it than i i was just like feeling all that through um i was liking it to um you know those like little like sleeves you put in to like protect like comic books and stuff oh, yeah like i was yeah. in one of those like feeling everything through that and oh, now yeah like, and then uh, being out in the air yeah Wow. Yeah. yeah. So very good analogy. Of, yeah. And so it, it's interesting because I'm a person who sort of like, like in retrospect, the signs were always there, but like came to this whole realization and decision later in life. And there are other people who have a, such a strong innate sense of, you know, who they are from like early in life and, um, and just kind of know and have the words for it who, um, who, who say it from a very young age and that can be a very different experience too so it's it's interesting um it's hard for me to even imagine like like i think part of it was myself like sort of like yeah feeling ready to do it and protecting my brain from myself a little bit yeah i was in a space where mm -hmm. i could try it and sure yeah but yeah that's mm -hmm. i think that's sort of like the big um takeaway or that I hope people have when they hear about like um, at least my personal experience is mm -hmm. just like it really like there is the expression component and what we want 
and who, to be our like authentic selves and things like that. But there is like a real psychological toll that it takes over time. Um, and part of like sort of finding that true personal expression is like addressing like the harm you've done to yourself over the years. I'm trying to deny that. And for some people, it's even like just like the actual like being on the wrong hormones is also like a source of discomfort and oh, yeah. and pain and sort of yeah. like yeah, it's yeah, I imagine mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's it's, it's fascinating. Just to just the layers the complex layers of what you've gone through and what you were feeling and how hard it was for you to even know what it was. And that, I mean, the just a knot so tangled that you didn't even know how to untangle it until you came at it from a different angle. And it just, and the fact that started it started loosening, like you, you released something else that you didn't even know was the cause is, a, is fascinating and amazing. Yeah. And it just like, I think it just like gets to the crux of the whole political thing. Everybody, you know, that, that people are talking about, they, nobody can get it. No, like nobody, yeah. not nobody. Yeah. Um, there are people that do get it, but a lot of us have no idea. Can't even fathom what you're talking about. So you did, a, I felt like you did a great job just now yeah. kind of explaining and touching on the fact that it's so complicated. It's almost a feeling that you can't even really explain how you felt. Like yeah, the fact that it, you had this different, I don't know, this pain that has yeah, kind of released. Yeah. I mean, it's that nobody can fathom. That's what I don't know. Anytime I hear the, the whole stupid right wing talking points about, oh, we're indoctrinating our children and we're uh, like forcing, yeah. uh, you know, children to choose gender. You know, it's like it's easy for somebody who's never felt any kind of this type of way to just uh whatever you know and just yeah, like dismiss it cast but, excursions yeah. and and it's just sad to me that it's it's become this talking point just because they need this the right needs an enemy all the time and it's why easier than just they need a distraction from different. having nothing yeah somebody who's different yeah. than you you know yeah. but just like the fact that what you guys you the whole trans population is going through and goes through all that to say there is progress. I mean, it's like we, you know, there's mm-hmm. been so much progress. And so that's good. But it's like progress through the pain. You know, it's like you got to yeah. go through all this. And progress is never easy. You know, it always hurts Absolutely. everywhere you get to. But, mm. um, but like you said, you're just sharing your story to hopefully help one other person, like one other yeah. person. Because it helped you them. seeing yeah. people living living their authentic selves it gave you a it gave you a point to go wait a second i can draw that line yeah absolutely and yeah i think that's really the crucial part of visibility i think part of it is um normalizing you know the Mm -hmm. trans people exist in society and people just getting used to that reality but i think you you raise a great point of the, the other big part of it is like you know how could i not have known growing up well you know, the trans representation on TV was like Mrs. Garrison and the guy from uh, Ace Ventura. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and they were, yeah, no, there was and they no were just like, you know, made we don't fun teach of the and, right questions. Yeah, yeah. You know, we don't ask, we don't teach to ask yeah. questions. 
Yeah. And it's, and yeah, just having, right. And of course, like no person's experience will be exactly the same as mine, but I've just learned from experience talking about it with people um, that like the overlaps are there and then, and that just sort of being honest and open and describing like one's own process and journey that people will relate to different parts of that and it'll help them decide for themselves. And also just like to have sort of trans people be there and say like, you don't have to gatekeep yourself. That was such a big yeah part for yeah. me was like, yeah, there's like, right. There's this whole like sort of, hyper elevated image that existed that like I was like well if I don't meet that like either like the caricature types or just like the commitment to like being this certain image then I've been that must not be me um whereas it's um yeah really the thing that's most important is sort of being able to listen to your own wants and one of the hardest parts about that is um for a lot of people I think is just treating your own the things that you want as valid and happening for a reason and um and just thinking about the next steps along those line lines and not being yeah. like well am I allowed to have these things like yeah because yeah. yeah I mean I mean it's not like smoking I mean you, it's a bad habit you have to if you want to smoke again you have to allow certain things like you know apocalypse mm-hmm. if there's if there's a, a general zombie thing going on i'm going to start smoking again yeah that's yeah. fair yeah uh <laughs> you lost me on that bit uh well no it was a jump it was a leap yeah, yeah. <laughs> to the left it was it was it, it was i yeah, was fearful I mean... making that 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 to it's, take away from what you're saying because everything yeah, right. you're saying was well it isn't it's is wonderful inter- yeah it is an interesting parallel too because i think people do need to sometimes make the leap from like they like i had like my good little feminist upbringing in college so that mm-hmm. like i could be like no it's not wrong to like any of these things i'll deny them to myself for other reasons but some people will go through the struggle of like you know if they are just like doing basic forms of gender expression, like a little bit of makeup or clothing or something like that. And being mm-hmm. like, no, this is wrong. Like I'm doing a bad thing when I do this, I'm indulging myself and, um, and treating it like something they sort of have to like, almost like, um, like it is smoking or like a bad habit or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and sort of, and sort of taking that step of just like it being an honest reflection of what I want. And the healthy thing is actually me, Mm-hmm. thinking harder about why i like these things and seeing what mm-hmm. direction it should go and that works best for me is like is really the healthy thing to do and it's not this like weird like indulgence or yeah. something like that yeah, that's it's, it's really the yeah it, it, it's yeah it's very interesting the way that can go because like even even with me like even though like i had like the feminist underpinnings to not to say that like um gender expression in the way i wanted to wasn't like such a bad thing i would find ways to tell myself it was still bad like you know like i'm invading these spaces or things like that um and yeah it's and yeah it's um yeah that's one of the trickiest parts is just not being hard on yourself um and saying it's okay to want the things you want Mm -hmm. so i'm i'm curious 
with the with being a performer and transitioning. So you weren't you weren't an act actor too. Like you didn't like act in plays or no, like I did that, like right? sketch shows a little bit, but like okay. not not like serious acting. But improv. I mean, I know you're an improviser. So has that been? I don't know. Is it? Do you think better or worse or easier or harder transitioning while you're a performer? Did you take a break from performing for a while and just be like, let me figure this out and then come back to it once you were more comfortable? Or was it, uh, you just, it was like a therapeutic thing? I'm not, I'm just curious if Um, there was any kind of. I would say so. The first six months I was transitioning, the most of the shows that were happening were still live and online. But basically, um, I was early enough in, tra- I never really stopped, like I did think there were a couple of live shows during that time. And at that point in time, I would just sort of basically just like go and say, hey, I'm still like a boy. Like I, I wasn't out to anyone. So I would be in like what I what would be called like boy mode. Okay. Basically. So yeah, it, it would be just like, basically like there came a time when I was ready to be fully out to like the improv community. And mm-hmm. before that, if I did, if I wanted to go do a show, um, but I didn't want to have to like explain myself or whatever, I would just dress up um, and present as a boy, which um, it does solve like the logistical problem, but like eventually you do just like, at least for me, it was like that takes a toll over time. And so I just have to, do you mean does yeah. it take take a toll like you feel like you're not being your true self or you're hiding something or at that yeah. point since you're still transit you know you just don't yeah, feel like it's, explaining to everybody you know yeah because it's sort of you know when we talked about like the link between authentic expression and this like underlying existential pain that that underlying pain was gender dysphoria and feeling like misaligned yeah and so it's kind of like I would liken it to like. Um, like if you had like sort of just like like a wound somewhere on your body that was just like kind of maybe a little bit scarred over but it hasn't really healed and like so it wasn't necessary and like going back into boy mode like kind of poking at a little bit right so it's not necessarily like going and doing it once was such a bad thing um but like but i'm like acutely aware now of this like the existence of this thing and like the more i poke at it when i'm when i'm trying to heal it like the more it's just like making it yeah. worse and, and keeping it from healing the way it's supposed to and so i do mm. and so i would feel that and like over time it just got harder and harder like the more i accepted like the comfort of actually like being in my own skin the harder it became to sort of do that other thing so it sort of worked out in that like i had an audition um with a comedy theater in raleigh that i knew a lot of people at so i just was like i'm gonna come out to like a bunch of these people right before the wow. audition yeah i did that did the audition and um you know it's like a little it is definitely different coming out on stage it feels like yeah, the di- the dynamics just change in some ways, um, and part of it too is just like, oh, I like I just know how people perceive like trans people versus like cis men, and so like, mm-hmm. what's that going to entail in any given show? Um, but beyond that, it's still like a lot of it's just still 
the improv and you know and you know finding some differences but other things like um stay largely the same yeah um cool i had I just sorry not to interrupt i'm sorry to come no, not at all. i was just gonna say it's just a i mean i'd imagine it, it makes you i maybe not but i think just because you're such a strong improviser i, I wonder if we, were you always that good? Like, were you always like really good at improv or was it like, you know, that people are judging you even more as a, not only everybody's going to, you know, make me laugh. Why you're not funny, you know? And then you're also a, a person who's trans on stage. So you might be worried about judgment also. Yeah. So does it make you that much funnier? I mean, I don't know how you can do it. I, I don't get how you do it. Like it's yeah. hard enough to be funny. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting if there's like, a little bit of a difference sort of touching on um, what you're speaking to. I do feel a little bit of, especially going into a new situation, I do feel a little bit of pressure to sort of like get the initial like ice breaking kind of laugh, like the, oh yeah, she's all right, kind of. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And I think part of that is just like a hyper awareness of like, you know, um, trans women especially sometimes are sort of choose like scoldy or humorless and so sure. like yeah. so i sort of do feel that compulsion to be like let's get one out there yeah real quick so people okay. who aren't sure what to think before they can start thinking some shitty thoughts yeah. um yeah. just be like oh she it's the same instinct uh it's the same instinct that led me to want to like put those jokes way back when i was younger in in the first place mm -hmm. um so I do, I do feel that a little bit. And I mean, a lot of that's just in my head and just being like, you know, what can I do to feel comfortable on this stage? But also I did, you know, I just did improv for, you know, I guess I've been going on like 10 years now. Um, oh, okay. Oh yeah. yeah. That's a and, long time. Yeah. 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 And but you're good. Like, you were probably just already really good. Oh, thank you. I, I will say, like, yeah, I will say, like, right before the pandemic, I was doing like five or six shows a week, something like that. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. So nice. that's like, you yeah. Know, that's... If, uh, if you're, if yeah, you're, Steve, like, this uh, is one of the best improvisers in the Carolinas. So, I mean, well, it's thank like, you for sharing your time. This is a very strong. So, I mean, yeah. that's like, sort of like, I feel sometimes like these questions are probably dumb or insulting, but um, I just because I, I don't know the background, but, but I would think, I would guess like is transitioning during a pandemic. I mean, you're, you only know that. So probably, but do you think that was easier or harder that it was also a pandemic going on? Like, was it like, Oh, I'm not gonna see anybody for a while. I can really think about this. Or was it like, geez, yeah. on top of everything else. Really? I gotta yeah. Do you know, having, having the space to do it, I will say was nice. Um, and sort of also moving from the triangle to Charlotte and not knowing as many people, I felt like mm -hmm. I could just go out, yeah, um, yeah. dress how I would, and sort of feel like I don't know. I feel like I have reasonably thick skin to just like people staring or giving me like mm -hmm. a look or something. Sure. So it was sort of like, all right, if strangers do that, whatever. I just didn't mm -hmm. want to run into like someone I knew before I was ready to say anything. So yeah. A lot of ways that was helpful um but you know that actually does raise another story which is funny because i didn't officially like be like yes i'm transitioning this is what's happening until about like you know like 
a little over a year and a half ago. But um, to start the pandemic, a couple of things, like as soon as we started, people started isolating. The first thing I decided was I'm going to grow my hair out. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, just, no, it's the, easy, just, it's the easiest thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, I was, but this was like before I even like, thought about myself it. i was yeah. actually transit i just like oh, you weren't and someone yeah, actually asked me they're like they're yeah. like yeah. they're like hey people are getting haircuts why are you still growing your hair and i was like i don't know when am i ever going to be able to i just feel like i won't ever be able to do this again no yeah, yeah. they're like oh time. okay yeah, and then yeah. they never they like uh left it alone <laughs> yeah it's always but, you know it's always it's always a good yeah yeah but i even like so it doesn't stop there i have like a whole um skincare like special skincare routine i took up i started being more conscious about like the colors of clothing from my wardrobe that i was wearing i was doing a lot of like lighter pastels of what i happened to have Mm. Uh, and i did this for like a good like four to six months at the start of the pandemic it was like my sourdough um project (laughs) but it was like it was literally just like me yes and i can look back in retrospect and basically be like oh i was like trying to start transition without like telling myself that's what i was you're just doing. prepping yeah. yeah 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 i was uh, and then i like stopped for a little while like I, I was like you know shaving and stuff too um you you haven't seen me with my with a beard but like i mm-hmm. i used to have a beard wear a beard all the time before the pandemic um okay. and that's like a pretty common thing Mm-hmm. to um it's the terminology for it is like a dysphoria beard um and i literally really? like have the worry that like literally i would have like a very serious worry that if i ever like fully shaved it that my like like the skin on my face would like look so awful and be covered with like horrible hives and stuff oh, yeah. and that like i just couldn't do it um but eventually i shaved it when the pandemic started but then i sort of reverted i um I like let the beard grow all the way back out. Um, I like started putting on all my like thickest like sweaters and things like that. Um, you know, I started my diet kind of got to a point where I just wasn't really in control of it um, mm. the way I normally like to be. Um, and all and sort of all that sort of like led up to the moment of like, all right, let's make a cut. I mean, making a conscious decision now of, yeah um, but it's gosh. so it's so interesting in retrospect and i mean like you know we could talk all day about like little signs i had going back but like yeah but i literally was like with the little information on how it worked that i had at the time i was doing all i could to like initiate a transition mm-hmm. and i i wouldn't even have like said to anyone like oh yeah that's what's happening oh, I, like i didn't even attempt to explain it it was just like a thing i was doing um yeah, yeah i can't yeah. yeah it's so it's such a uh just a thing we can't even imagine so that's why i think i think it's great when he, we talk mm-hmm. about it and the more people talk about it the more people like us seek it out and like yeah you know let's find out let's talk about it let's because i think the tendency is just like just white American American generals just be like, I just won't say anything because I don't want to say the wrong thing. So we just shut up and don't say anything. And some people don't want to talk about it. So I don't want to bring it up if they're not bringing it up. But if you bring it up, I'll talk about it, you know, that kind of thing. So it's just yeah. like, I really appreciate you really sharing all this. And I think this is good for more people to hear and talk. And the more we all talk, like you said, normalization, normalizing yeah. 
this, no, this is, is a thing this people is have you know, every like, day. This yeah. is happening. This is reality. And the more people that see it, the more we can all share in the same beautiful milieu that we have. And that said, yeah. now tell us about a murder in your hometown. Exactly. <laughs> a murder. Oh, this was the real question I was dreading. Because I don't know if there was. Yeah, maybe there wasn't. Murder. But it doesn't well, have I mean, to be a murder. Uh, it can be a, a metaphorical murder. Something crazy that happened yeah. in your school or like a. Did anything burn down or was there a the last person we had? You probably know her. Uh, we just interviewed um, Abby Elfman. I don't know if you know Abigail Elfman or not. She's she's in now with the foxes. But anyway, yeah. she told us about a kid at her school that got rabies and died. Yeah. Oh, my got God. Hit by a bat while he was sleeping. So, oh, my God. And you know, I had, to get a rab- yeah. I had to get a rabies shot when I was in middle school, but because of a bat. But, really? Um, well, good. Wait, yeah. because of a bat or not because of a bat? Because of a bat. Oh, really? You got you got bit by one? No, it oh. was just we went on a service project and it, <laughs> it was we slept in an old abandoned middle school and there were bats in the vents and so they flew. So we caught one. We saw one like one <laughs> night just like flying in our room above everyone sleeping in their sleeping bags and then they were like, "Hey, listen." You all have to get rabies shots. Yeah, because nobody knows. Um, yeah. 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 I had a so, bat last night. There was a bat last night in my backyard. I have a umbrella on my uh table umbrella on my deck. And uh I was I made a, a bonfire. My daughter was wanted to make some more, so she got all the more stuff out and she like opened up the umbrella and was like, Ah I was like, What is it? Is it a bug? And she's like, It has feet. I was like, Oh, that's, <laughs> a, that's a bat. That's she, love- she, she ran in the house, and then Bats we couldn't love umbrellas. Let me yeah. tell you, there's a whole song about it. Really? Yeah. Okay. So this was all right. This is. Um, I'm clearly just trying to dodge the question of um, yeah. something else happening in my hometown. We're but, building to it. We're building yeah, to it. But yeah. um, so and um, so I took French in high school and college. I forget where I heard the song, but there's um, a song called. Which um, that's French for bat, um, but like the literal translation is shaved mouse. Um, that's what they call. It. Yeah, I don't know why, but um, but anyway, uh, the whole song is about a bat that falls in love with an umbrella. Uh, <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh, that's crazy! So I guess that's, that's just a thing they love. I yeah. guess it's a cold, it's a dark space. You know? Oh yeah, it's safe. You know, it's cozy. They can crawl up, feel protected. You should well, build a had, bat house. I had a buddy of mine. My friend, who's an X-ray tech and works at a hot in the ER all the time, was like, "Hey, people are getting bit by bats all the time, and they get rabies, so don't go near it." And, uh, and so my son finally got rid of it. But um, <laughs> send your son to get rid of it. Yeah, well, yeah, you know. that's why. Well, we we do. He's he's a critter guy. Like he wants to be an entomologist. So oh, okay, he loves like spider. Like he'll go, he'll just go take a walk and go to the woods to try to find spiders. Like. He's that kind of guy, so he loves everything. Like, if there's a cockroach, he gets it and lets it outside. You know, like he loves all Aww. of it. So That's we just cool. let him get. There. Hey, there's a bat. Oh, I love it. And he went right up. He's like, "Don't get too close to it. You're gonna get rabies." But uh, he wasn't afraid of it at all. Um, all right. Well, I'm I'm on Ridgefield, Connecticut's website. You don't have to talk about high school if it's like no. I'm not trying to make you like. Oh no no no. Bring out the I'm just literally rumors, struggling yeah. to find something that you, you could talk the about drama, yeah. the, the oh. drama level. What about the yeah. Nutmeg Festival? Do you ever go to the Nutmeg Festival in Ridgefield? I have not been to the Nutmeg <laughs> Festival. 
Um, let's see. Oh, you know what? The one thing I can think of that happened when I was in high school is one of our football coaches got fired for like um, basically. Actually, I think something like this. I just saw like a viral video of like another coach doing this, but basically like during a game, got mad at one of the players and hit him. Really, um, and then got fired for that. Yeah. And okay, um, there's some juicy. So that, that's some juicy drama. Yeah, yeah that yeah. is. So that's about. And that was. Um, I was on the football team. Um, and that that was our offensive line coach. It was your um, offensive line coach. So were you there when it happened? Um, I think happened. So I it was the year after I quit. So basically, I had slipped oh, okay. the disc. Um, oh no! In the weight room, and so I was like, I had to choose between football and wrestling, and I was like, I'm gonna, and I really didn't like my football um, experience, so I was like, I'm gonna try and go for wrestling, um, and just like not do football my senior year, and that was okay. when it happened. So, so what I, what disc did you slip? Um, it was one of the lower ones. I don't remember which D five E four. No, I don't know what they are either. But something like that. Because yeah. I had a I had a I had a discectomy uh, a few years oh. back, probably about 10 years ago now. Backy, and I still don't know which one it is. A what? Yeah. A back- discectomy. So they shaved down my bulging. Okay. I, I just feel like it's like um, people who had back problems would kind of like stick together. Like, hey, where, where yeah, your no, back you should. It's like sure, war story. Yeah. My yeah. lumbar still acts up like crazy. So. Really? Well, being yeah. 6'3", I would guess, I feel like, and I'm real short, so I'm 5'8". So like, I always feel like big tall people have trouble like they have to bend over like i don't know because you have to bend over everywhere to get through doorways and stuff i used the big one was i used to work at domino's i would deliver pizzas but part of like the job was um cleaning up um like all the pans and stuff like that when you oh and the sink is so low yeah the sink is super low and they have for the personal pan pizzas they use like these cast iron pans that are so like they get just once you stack like you know twenty or thirty of them yeah. in the sink, they get They're super not. heavy. heavy yeah. And I was oh, always yeah. the one who would try and get through all the dishes because I didn't want to be there till four in the morning. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, like at one point, I heard it so bad that I like basically couldn't walk for a couple of days. Oh and shit! That was so- how I quit that job. I was like, y'all, and I remember distinctly, I think it was like a hurricane coming through and they were like, no, we're going to stay open. We don't think it's going to be that bad. Y'all better <laughs> not call out. And so I literally had to go over there with my crutches and be like, listen, I got to call out, but don't, don't give me crap about this. Like, I'm just going to have to be out like indefinitely because this is yeah. like messed up. And they're like, okay, we see it. We get it. You know, just like call us back when you're ready to come back. And I just never did. You just never went back. It was just. <laughs> Yeah, I had a, I had another job too at the time. So. Was that a high school yeah. job or after high school? No, I did that after um I did that after college for okay. um yeah, it was just, you know, extra extra income, but um yeah. I I asked I I asked. I asked because my son uh just got a job at Papa John's uh so he's going to start delivering pizzas. Oh, so. our rivals. Uh so yeah, yeah, your rivals. You so I'm get. still team Domino's for life. Yeah, forever. Yeah. Okay. So I see Eugene O'Neill is from Ridgefield, Connecticut. Eugene uh, O'Neill, the playwright. Uh, oh, Nobel you know, Prize O'Neill, Eugene O'Neill. He's a big one, right? I think. I was like, so Eugene O'Neill you know, could be a different Eugene O'Neill. It says it's a playwright, like Pulitzer Prize winning. Oh, and then David Cassidy. 
Uh, who else? So, you wrong? know, Maurice Sendak um, lived in Richfield, Connecticut. Nice. Uh, and nice. he lived right near one of my friends who I play magic cards with. Who's we're this? Both nice. in the... Who are we talking about? Maurice Sendak. Sendak. Where the wild things are? Why don't I know who that is? Because oh, Sendak. Oh, oh, the yeah. writer of oh, the wild things. See, are. you yeah. know, yeah. So you know him personally? No, he lived near <laughs> one of my friends, uh, who I play magic cards with, and who was That's also cool. on the football and wrestling team. So we had this Ooh. shared, we had the shared secret that we were both ultra nerds, um, <laughs> but we were trying to be on these like big jockey teams. Um, so what was your high school team's mascot? Tell me that. We were the Tigers. The Tigers? And what team colors? What were your team colors? Uh, we were orange and black. You know, okay. when you're, when you're a mascot's good. the Tiger, you can either go orange and white or orange and black, and we went true Tiger colors. Yeah, true Tiger yeah. colors. The, the fighting Tigers. Um, so that kind of ties it in. So it doesn't have to there be murder yeah. UFOs. And then you, I think you yeah. did say last time you've never seen an alien. You've never seen a ghost, because I was trying to like ask everybody those questions. Uh, That's true. I but I've since seen... Oh, you know what? Harvey Firestein is from Ridgefield. Also, oh, you know who? Yeah. Um, you know who's also from Ridgefield is uh, Bill Lawrence, a creator of Scrubs, and now Ooh, I used nice. to say it was creator of Scrubs, but now Ted Lasso is the big one. Yeah, no. um, and Dr. Cox from Scrubs um, was named McKinley. after a biology teacher from um, the high school I went to. What? Uh, See, now that's the kind of juicy stuff. Now that's, yeah, that's, that's exactly the juicy. like a murder. That, yeah. that's, that's murder a, level. Murder or pop right culture. Yeah, exactly. but Scrubs is great. And so that's awesome. That's sacrificing cool your childhood for pop culture. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the guy, the rest of the high school coach that got fired for hitting somebody. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was kids. Uh, you know, yeah, that was um, that one was less. They're not yours. Uh, yeah, and yeah. he worked at Domino's Pizza. That's awesome, and that you got sacrificed your back to the your back pit. injury was probably you know? more from Domino's than it was from football. Probably, I really aggravated it there. Let me tell you. Oh yeah, uh, no, that's <laughs> they they go out of their way to not not just Domino's, just restaurant sinks. I yeah. think they're just like they have That's to right. be a certain uncomfortable like Yeah, life. OSHA regulations yeah. are they must destroy at least three vertebra each month. <laughs> exactly. They don't That's care right. whose yeah. vertebra. Yeah. Or if they're all in the same person. Yeah. Yeah. Gruff here, Steve has um, worked in a many a kitchen, many a greasy spoon oh, yeah. uh diner. Um those are all great things. So uh we've talked about a lot of stuff. I've we've had you here now for over an hour. Um, thank you for doing this. This was great yeah. fun, and no, so thank you for sharing. Begin- so I think yeah. I I touched a little bit on this recording about how we met, uh, and that it was at a, a nerdy night show that you did for me with Jen Bianchi brought you, and I would honestly say any friend of Jen Bianchi's has got to be a friend of mine. She, she's hilarious. So how do you know how do you know Jen from uh comedy works or how did you guys start working together? Yeah, we um yeah we been doing improv together for I, I first met Jen probably a couple of years into when I started improv and so we've been on various teams ever since then um uh solid dad elegant pierogies um <laughs> I love yeah names. you can just list off a bunch of random improv did you say names. did you say elegant pierogies yeah that one was <laughs> uh, yeah, <that's... laughs> I love that name 
That's awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, Jen Bianchi and, is fucking hilarious. Um, mm-hmm. As as are you, but you're in Charlotte now, April. For sure. Yeah, I'm in Charlotte now, and so I and Jen's in Raleigh, so I will occasionally venture back there. We do our um, Capital City Culture Club show in Raleigh the first Saturday of each month. Oh, um, okay. So you so go all the way the up there for that? Yeah, that's actually we just did one yesterday. Okay. Um, and yeah. are you going to be performing in the Queen City Comedy Experience next weekend? I am. I'm going yes. to be performing with Foxes um, on Friday, and okay. I'm going to be performing with Capital City Culture Club on Saturday. Oh, Wonderful. what show? What show was that on Saturday? Uh, you Remember? know what? Let me check. I have. I probably I should know this at this point. Um, Capital. Yeah, I should have it here too, but. So maybe if I get this out quick enough. So no, it was called. Out. Well, you could just cut this together as a promo. Yeah, I could. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Just yeah. Cut it's this together the Sunday as a promo. Supper at the Mint Museum um, starting at 730. Okay. Gotcha. Saturday night. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Awesome. That's great. So that's what I I guess I, I thought you were moving to Charlotte, but I wasn't sure if you officially moved. But um, so we became Facebook friends, I think, after. I don't know when, honestly, I don't remember, but it must have been after, obviously, we met. Um, and uh, now you have moved to the top of the list of alphabetical, my alphabetical friends. You are, <laughs> you overpassed AJ Foster, who will also be at the comedy festival, uh, yeah. doing a stand up uh, show. As I like to think of it, yeah, as I like to think of it, I'm just your number one friend now. You are my number one friend, and AJ has moved to number two. Actually, you're going to, I think you're going to be in the same show as AJ, that pop up, the pop up comedy show. I oh, think you're well, doing if AJ with... disagrees, we can fight it out. Yeah, I'm going to have you guys fight at the, at the thing. Yeah. So that'll be great. Comedic, comedically or with fisticuffs, you know, as long as the rules are established. I could probably bust out some old wrestling moves from high school. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you were a wrestler. Yes, I didn't realize. So, uh, well, that said, so now that we've had this conversation and we've got to know each other and you've shared so much, uh, do you think we should be Facebook friends still? Should we remain I Facebook think, friends? I, I know we should. Yes. Nice. Uh, well, we're gonna have a blast at the Queen Wonderful. City Comedy Experience next weekend. Um, it's gonna be a lot of fun and come to the after party. The after party at Gilda Brewing Ooh. on Friday uh, till two a.m. with karaoke. Do you oh, do karaoke? Uh, do you sing karaoke? Oh, you know it's been a while, um, but we'll have to see once we get there. We'll see how many drinks you have. The so. magic, yeah, the magic of the night. You never know uh, when karaoke will break out. Yes. Well, thank you for the, the the magic will break out like Magic the Gathering, which you oh, are a fan oh, of. You brought your it decks. back around. Brought it back around, baby. Yes. Well, thank you for your time. Thanks for doing this with us. Thank you very uh, much. We're gonna have to figure out another way to get you on. Maybe just an, an episode of American Timeline. Yeah, just, talk about yeah, that would be fun. murder. Yeah. Always, yeah, yeah. Always we can. He can give you a murder to talk about. Yeah, yes, yeah, you know, once you get, you know, it's hard for me. It's just like with comedy. Sometimes it's hard for me to think of the thing, but once you give it to me, I'll just run with it. So yeah, yeah if I get a murder, we'll talk about it all day. Yeah, we ass- we assign historical things, uh, so we'll do that. So cool. Well, thanks for being here, Gruff. You got anything to say? No, thank you. Thank you for sharing yeah. your time. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you. It's been really cool meeting you. And you I like guys are both you. long-haired friends. Oh, uh, long hair pals. I had long hair once during <laughs> the did. pandemic, also. But yeah. yeah, all right. Well, thank you for this, and thanks for doing this. And yeah. this will, this episode will come out in early 2027. 
All right. But maybe a part of it <laughs> cut into a promo very quickly. I think I might. I might try to. Do I that. think you should. I think it would be a good promo. Yeah, this us talking about you cutting this promo could be part of that promo. Yes, you just that talking be, about me doing that. that. People, yeah, people love the inside baseball. Exactly. All, they, so yeah. inside, that's like yeah. what people are here for. It's the what's the West Wing sort of like. They want how, the, how they want the veils ripped down. Yeah, they want to just peek back, peek back the curtain. Yeah. Oh, Aaron Sorkin. I was Aaron like, Sorkin. I was gonna say Aaron Sorkin, but then I couldn't think of Aaron Sorkin's name, so I was like West Wing. I was like, it's not it's... as strong if you don't say Aaron Sorkin. But now well, it, it worked. Aaron Sorkin was there. Yeah, just edit was... in where I said where I rambled about. Yeah, West I'll make it just, sound like you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just splice in me saying Aaron Sorkin over however many seconds that was. Just like really brought out. <laughs> now I got all this editing work to do. Very Sorkinian. Sorry, it'll go quick. It's very sore kitty. <laughs> All right. I'm going to end this now, and the recording will automatically end. I'm not going to lose it this time. Thank sure. you for being here, April Kirby. You're awesome. And thanks for starting this new show or series or something called Friend Check. Uh, Thank you. Within American Time. This was an American story. Truman Ego Trip is the greatest band of all time. Buy their music.